When I get my pre-snap reads, I'm looking at the defense, at the snap of the ball, it's like I black out. CCR number 90, December 16th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-holds-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, hot stop! 89's in the building. Still on the mission, though. Still on the mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Panthers color commentator Jim Zoki. Nick Yeoman gives us the fans' perspective. We have a visit with the enemy, and we have a recap of the loss to the Patriots. Matt Moore jabs his left foot at the turf. That sends King in motion from left to right. Fake handoff, Stewart. Moore to throw. Moore lost a long pass. Steve Smith downfield. Smith open. It's caught. It is a touchdown. Carolina Panthers. Ready calling signals on first and goal at the Carolina 3. Less than a minute and 40 to go. Handoff to Kevin Falk. He races into the end zone. Untouched. Third and goal at the Carolina 5. Brady takes the shotgun snap. Stands in the pocket, fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Benjamin Watson. Waiting for Casey to give the signal. He's ready. He does. Good snap. The placement. The kick is on the way. End over end. And it is good. Ingram to snap. Hanson to hold. Set to go. Snap the ball down. The kick is up. The kick is on the way. And the kick is good from 47 yards. This one today goes to the New England Patriots 20-10. to 10. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Well, it looks like we'll be waiting for at least two years to see the Carolina Panthers have back-to-back winning seasons. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Maybe it's not such a terrible thing to lose to the New England Patriots. And then again, as vulnerable as the Pats have appeared recently, maybe it is. Matt Moore started his second straight game at quarterback in place of the injured Jake DeLome. The kid posted 15 completions and 30 attempts for 197 yards and a touchdown in a 20-10 loss in Foxborough. The defense played a solid first half, holding New England to only 7 points, but the offense just couldn't get things rolling. The result, the Patriots went to the locker room tied at 7, and the third quarter saw the Panthers' defense begin to buckle as New England put together two long, time-consuming drives, though they only resulted in one touchdown. Break it down any way you want, though. It's another loss. So how are the fans feeling? Hello. 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 Who's there? It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Cat Cray Radio, this is K7 Roger once again. Uh, in reference to the game, it was horrible. Uh, team lacks heart. It lacks a lot of discipline. The time management upon uh, what Fox did late in the game, late in the second quarter, was very high schoolish. Uh, yeah, I know he doesn't have faith in the quarterback position, and that's probably why he did what he did, but uh, it doesn't make any sense at all if, you, if you're trying to win a game. This team, the 2001 Panthers, would beat this team because they played 
harder for their coach. Seaford at this time of the year hasn't quite lost the team. So if you fired Seaford, you have to fire John Fox. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Seems that sometimes there are just too many losses. The team loses too much, the fans just get tired of calling to complain, and after all, what's left to be said? That's a good question, and if you have something you'd like to say, give us a call on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. We want to hear from you, and we'll play your thoughts right here on the show. That number is 206-350-9673. This week's loss drops the Panthers to 5-8 and eight on the year, and somewhere, yes, somewhere, Somebody is saying that this team still has a mathematical shot at the playoffs. <laughs> it appears without things are going that the only thing they might have a chance to achieve is to overcome the Atlanta Falcons for second place in the division. Even that's a long shot. Next up, there's no rest for the weary, of course. A home date in prime time versus the Minnesota Vikings. I think um, I think it was pretty evident our team played very hard. I'm not sure right now we're playing... Uh, Quite well enough to win against good teams, but we'll continue to fight hard and work to improve. Offensively, there's some things for us to correct. You know, we, I mean, we work hard every week to uh, to put up points. Is there an answer for that? I don't know. You know, we go into the week thinking we're gonna we're gonna put up some points, and it's a matter of execution. You know, on Sunday, but um, we just need to keep getting better, keep working uh, as a group. It's time now for the Panther preview. From bad to worse, well, the coach. Still looking at the quarterback position. It might be Matt. It might be Jake. Whatever. Anyway, joining us for the Panther preview, it's Nick Yeoman. So let's bring in Yeoman. What's up? John, what's going on? Trying to keep this a family show. (laughs) Same results, just a different day. Another week, another loss, huh? And I got to ask you, I'm going to lead off with this because I think I've got a nickname for our new Starting quarterback. Part-time starting quarterback. Okay. Really? Let me ask you. Okay. Have you seen enough? Is it time for Jake? I don't get it. No, well, I'll, I'll get to the nickname. I'll get to the nickname. I've, I've, got, I've got the nickname. I'm holding it back. <laughs> Are you ready for Jake? Am I ready for Jake? Yeah. No, not really. This may go nowhere. So, I mean, you're not ready to see Jake. You want to keep Matt out there. Well, I mean, I, I, Matt Moore, he played, he played decent. I mean, he's not, he's not gonna throw, he's not gonna beat you with his arm strength or anything like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm fine with sticking with Matt Moore. I don't think he can get much worse. Well, the way I see it, this is, this is where the nickname came from. The Falcons have Matty Ice. We have Matty Suffice. Good. I like it. I like it a lot. He, he, you know, he got us a, a win over Tampa Bay, and got us into the end zone once against New England. So I think that's, uh, I don't know, it's the only nickname I could come up with on short notice. Okay, the the big news today. Forget the New England game, I guess, for just a moment. Great news. Jeff Ota, our right tackle, is now on injured reserve. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Torn meniscus in the knee, which means old Jeff Schwartz is going to get a chance to start at that tackle position. And boy, when you consider that Jordan Gross is already on IR, our two starting tackles aren't left. They're gone. They're done. They're injured, and it's just it just keeps mounting the injuries for this Panthers team. I think I read somewhere they've got ten guys 
on IR now. It is, uh, it's just piling up. And what in the world are the Chris's doing? Why are the Chris's, especially Chris Gamble, why are they talking about Randy Moss? What, what in the world? I mean, you, you lost the game, and you're going to talk trash about Randy Moss. What? That's a huge WTF moment right there for me. Yeah, it, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I can completely understand if, if you go out against a New England team that isn't playing like they should be or like they have been for the last two or three years, and, and they lay an egg and you beat them, then maybe you can come in the locker room and you can say that, oh boy, Randy Moss shut it down. He didn't bring his A game. He quit on them. But if they go out there and they beat you without Randy Moss giving any effort, then you shouldn't. You should just shut up in the locker room. Don't say a word. Don't bring it up uh, because what ends up happening is Bill Belichick gets a whiff of that, and then of course he pokes fun at the Panthers, and now uh, now Chris Gamble and, and Chris Harris now look, they're the ones getting laughed at. So yeah, not a smart move by either one of those guys calling out Randy Moss. I mean, you just take your loss like a man. It didn't work out well. He didn't show up and play well, and they still beat you. Uh, there's not much more I can say about that other than just shut up. And then we've got one moose in the booth actually calling the game for Fox in that hideous, whatever you call that suit, that that pimp outfit he had on. He quotes this statistic. Now, the Observer has quoted this statistic. Scary, and this is a chance for you to just go off. Total points for the season. Hollis Thomas, two. Moose and Jarrett, zero. I mean, it just it just shows that there's no the wide receiver depth there. It, it, we don't have any. It, it's a joke. I mean, Moose and Muhammad it cannot get it done at this level anymore. And Dwayne Jarrett, I think it's official. Go ahead and call the bust. I think it's safe to say. And, and then you know you can't throw it to Steve Smith every time. They can try, but it's just that the wide receiver position, boy, it, it's it's shown to be a huge a huge issue for this Panthers team, and it hasn't gotten any better all season long. And and that's a, that's a position they're going to have to seriously look at in the off season. All right, we'll do it. I mean, another loss, the eighth of the season. We can't once again. We can't pull off back to back winning seasons no matter whether it gets us to the playoffs or not. That's a done deal. Let's grade the defense. Well, I, I would have given the defense a B, but then when you find out that they really thought Randy Moss shut it down and the way that they responded to that in the locker room, uh, I have to give them a C. I mean, the first half was pretty good, but in the second half, you know, somebody cover Wes Welker, please. I think he's still catching passes, and uh, it just wasn't acceptable, so I think that was a C. And then on offense, uh, I think he got to give them a D, John. The offense was not very good. They could not move the ball at all. I mean, they, they, the defense in the first half was giving the offense opportunities, and they couldn't do anything with it. Three and out after three and out, I think you could count the amount of big plays on one hand from that offense. So I think I give the defense a C, and I think I just answered your next question. The offense gets a D. Yeah, I think you cut me off on that next question, but that's that's okay. That's fine. I mean, why not just jump right in and let's shorten the misery for this week, right? Hey, I'm, I'm all for it because it has been a disaster, and, and I don't know what it is this week, just down in the dumps. It's, uh, it hit rock bottom, I believe. Well, since we're, we're both miserable, let's take a quick break. Uh, still to come, we're going to talk to Jim Zoki, of course, the color commentator for the Carolina Panthers. We've got the enemy coming up. From Minnesota. Boy, won't that be fun. In just a minute, though, Nick and I will look ahead to this Sunday night's game versus the Vikings. We're not internationally known, but we're still here. 
Cat Crave Radio returns after this. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. What's the champ wearing? Looks like an examination gown. And from the back... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the get-up? I've got to take care of my family, so I'm getting those important medical screenings. The fight is over! Champ, you look pretty healthy out there tonight. But I'm still getting those tests. For a list of tests you need, go to ahrq.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to ahrq.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boom or Bust. Joining us to play the game is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game? I am ready to boom, John. Well, let's start with Tony Romo versus the Saints. I think Tony Romo's a bust. I just I just don't see this working out too well for him against New Orleans. He's got that knack to make big mistakes at the worst possible time, and I think that haunts him again this week. You know, the Cowboys are going to be in a position to grab a late lead, maybe even win it late, uh, but they're going to need a play from Tony Romo, and I don't think he gets it done. Maurice Jones-Drew versus the Colts. It's going to be interesting to see what Jim Caldwell does with his starters, not only on offense, but on defense as well for the Colts. MJD is going to get plenty of touches, though, and starters and no starters, he's going to put up big numbers. I think he will have an impact on the game against the Colts, and he'll boom. Ricky Williams versus the Titans. Well, the Tennessee Titans have been up and down all year, but that rushing defense has been consistently solid. They're seventh in yards given up, and I think they'll play well enough to hold Ricky Williams in check. He'll be a bust against Tennessee. Deshaun Jackson versus the Niners. Deshaun Jackson, he may be the most dangerous wide receiver in the league right now, not for what he does after the catch, but the fact he is so fast, so quick, you just can't cover him. He's going to rack up, as usual, two or three monster plays against the Niners and have a booming impact on Philly's chances in this game. Carson Palmer versus the Chargers. I found this a bit unbelievable, but in the last six games that Carson Palmer has played in, he has not thrown more than one touchdown in any of those games. He needs to play a lot better if Cincinnati wants to compete with the San Diego or Indianapolis teams in the playoffs. He gets an early shot at the Chargers defense this week, but I don't see him playing that well. He's bust. Joshua Cribs versus the Chiefs. You know, if you put Cribs on just about 80% of the teams in the National Football League, he could make them instantly better. And for some teams, he could be like a missing piece to, to push, make a push for the playoffs. Unfortunately, he's stuck in Cleveland, and I don't see him putting up uh, very good numbers, even though they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. There's just not a lot of talent around him. He's a bust as well. On to our primetime game, Adrian Peterson versus our Panthers. I don't know how Carolina's going to slow down Adrian Peterson, and I'm having nightmares already of how bad it might be if the Panthers have one of those horrible tackling nights. He is no doubt a boom. Uh, the only question is how much of a boom. And like I said earlier, I think uh, I'm seeing about 150 yards, probably a couple touchdowns for Adrian Peterson. D'Angelo Williams versus the Vikings. Well, D'Angelo is one of the best backs in the league, but I just don't see him finding much success against the Vikings front four. The Panthers have abandoned the run way too many times for anyone to have faith that D'Will is going to put up big numbers, so I'm going to say bust for D'Angelo. That number four guy, Brett Favre versus our Panthers. Yeah, that number four guy is having a heck of a season, and I just don't see the Panthers slowing him down. The secondary is good enough to slow him down for maybe a half, but not an entire game. Favre, he's going to hook up with his target. It's like Shianko, Rice, and Harbin for probably a couple touchdowns, and I think he booms against Carolina. It's probably Matt Moore. There's a shot that it could be Jake, whoever, versus 
the Vikings. Yeah, I think it's going to be Matt Moore as well, but I don't see a boom this week. That quarterback position is just not going to be one that booms for the Panthers this year. The offense has been atrocious. Best-case scenario, Matt Moore limits his mistakes and continues to be fairly efficient, uh, but he's not putting up monster numbers. He's a bust. Well, once again, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the game with us. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, John. This is a show for the fans and by the fans of the Carolina Panthers. Welcome back to Cad Crave Radio. And welcome back to the Panther Preview. Still with us is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Nick, we're talking about nicknames. I'm making up stupid nicknames for uh, Matt Moore. Meanwhile, we see that, who is that guy, that number four dude? Uh, Who is he? We're getting ready for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brett Favre, and, and and do you think that the uh, the executives at NBC really had this uh, this matchup labeled? You know, at the beginning of the season, it's going to be Brett Favre against Matt Moore. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Come on, that's that's prime time, buddy. That's that's you know that's huge. Hey, it's an opportunity to shine, I guess, for Matt Moore and, and some of these younger players. It's just misfortunate it has to be uh, at the expense of the season. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, Brett's going to have to prove he's at Matt's level. Yeah, that's, that's probably that's probably the only shot you got because I mean Brett Favre has been playing and he's been playing MVP football. I mean he has been fantastic all season long, and and that's going to be a big stage for Matt Moore. Obviously, it's going to help that it's at home at Bank of America Stadium, but uh, that is not. Not going to be an easy task for Matt Moore to, uh, to outshine Mr. Brett Favre. Okay, long before we get to the prediction, I want to give you a chance to give me a yards-to-fumble ratio for Adrian Peterson. Well, that's, that's funny because, yeah, I mean, he does put the ball on the ground quite a bit. So I'll say, you know, with Chris Harris out there, who's, who's always been great at getting in there and stripping, I, I, think, yeah, I think Adrian Peterson will probably fumble the ball once. And then as far as yardage, boy, I mean, as, as sorry as the Panthers have been against the run, uh, he may very well go for 200, uh, but I, I think a good prediction would probably be about 150, 160 yards. But I do think, I do think he puts the ball on the ground at least once. And if there's one guy, I don't know, if there was somebody that was going to haunt my my dreams, my nightmares leading up to this game, it would be, I don't know why, but Percy Harvin has me worried in a huge way. Maybe our special teams keep people out of the end zone. That's fine, but I don't know. I see this guy making a huge difference here. Oh, yeah, I, I do too, and especially if, if the Panthers have one of those games where, you know, they show up and forget how to tackle, and we've seen a few of those in the past. And I mean, yeah, he can hurt you in so many different ways, whether it's in special teams, whether it's with a deep ball from Brett Favre. You can throw it to him across the middle with a slant. He and Sidney Rice, both of those guys, very talented wide receivers that are really, really shining with Brett Favre at quarterback. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a little scary, and you better have your eye on Percy Harvin anytime he's out there on the field. And then – Finally, about their defense, I mean, wow, the pass rush that they have. I know people have been talking about E.J. Henderson being hurt, but you still have that front four with the Williams guys in the middle and, you know, two great defensive ends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, is this not something that uh, will have our quarterbacks awake nights leading up to this one? Oh, absolutely, and it just, you know, it just magnifies uh, how big it is that the Panthers lost Jordan Gross earlier this season and now uh, Jeff Otah leading into this Minnesota game. That is just scary to think what 
you know, Jared Allen, who may be, you know, front, front seat at a Monday night raw watching NASCAR drinking beer. I mean, he's just that type of guy, but uh, his motor's always running, and he is. He's, he's probably going to wreak havoc at offensive line. They're going to have to step up if the Panthers want any success running the ball, and if they want to give Matt Moore any time to throw it. Well, we got Julius dancing around, acting as if he would probably rather be somewhere else. Maybe he's going to put some of those dance moves on display. Maybe he'll go do Dancing with the Stars. We got uh, Thomas Davis out, Niall Diggs, who's been banged up. So that puts Dan Connor out there. Who knows who's next on the hit list, God forbid. So that puts our banged up defense out there versus the Vikings offense. <laughs> How's that one going to go? Oh, it, it's it's not going to go well at all. I mean, really, I, I think the Panthers have been in a lot of games this year, even the ones that they've lost. I mean, really, you look back to the Philadelphia game, that was really the only game where the Panthers were blown out. But I, I just don't have a good feeling about that and, and about this game against Minnesota. And a lot of it has to do with these injuries and the fact that Minnesota's hitting their stride. They look like a fantastic team that, that's wholly capable of winning a Super Bowl and and, yeah, when you've got weapons like they do on offense with, with Adrian Peterson, we talked about the wide receivers and Vishante Shianko, who's been emerged as a pretty darn good tight end, and, and Brett Favre, who may see that light at the end of the tunnel for another Super Bowl championship. I don't think they're going to overlook a uh, Carolina Panthers offense or defense. And then, speaking of our offense, the group that seems to have disappeared recently, um, yeah, how will they stand up against that big pass rush in the Vikings' D? Well, I mean, it's it's simple. They got to get the running game going, and they got to commit to it. The only problem, like we talked about, is that offensive line. I, I think D'Angelo and, and Jonathan only had about twenty combined carries uh, the previous week against New England, so they're going to have to run the ball, and, and then you just let Matt Moore, you know, stand back there and fire that football around and uh, and see if you can find some creases. But it's not going to be easy because that defensive line they got some monsters up there, and they are going to be uh, bearing down on anyone that's got the football in a Carolina uniform. And why we have to do this every week, I don't know. But Davidson, run the ball! Okay, so let me giving you a chance now to uh, predict the final score in this huge primetime matchup. Yeah, well, I know why do we have to do that every week, uh, get angry at Jeff Davidson. Why do I have to make a prediction about these games every week? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be good. I, I, like I said, I think this is the week where it could get really ugly for the Panthers. They've been in almost every game this year, uh, but the injuries and the poor execution, I think he catches up with them this Sunday, and I think Minnesota wins the primetime battle. You, you want to throw a score at us, or are you afraid to? Oh, I'm kind of afraid to. I'm going to say it'll probably be a 20-point win, 21, three touchdowns, something like that. I think Minnesota can rack up 31 points, and I think Carolina's going to be lucky if they can score more than 17. Nick, if we can get you to stick around for a, uh, a pick em a little later on, we'd appreciate it, sir. Hey, no problem, John. Thanks. This is Cat Crave Radio. We are joined now by Jim Zoki. You all know him as the WBT Radio Sports Director and also from each and every Carolina Panthers broadcast as their color commentator. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you back with us. Hey, John. Always great to be on with you. What a season. I'm sure you've witnessed it all and you've seen it all firsthand. The uh, injuries, the problems that you know Jake has endured throughout the year. Now, Jake may come back. There's word that it's, and I know that uh, John Fox is going to hold that information until the very bitter end. It's possible Jake returns to the lineup. Do you think if he comes back, even if it's this week or next week against the Giants, do you think the team will rally around him when he does return? Yeah, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see the same 
effort either way because guys know at this point when you're not having a playoff year that you're playing for your your own self first of all career-wise uh, and also just trying to build for for next year. I mean, there are certain guys like pretty sure John Beeson knows he has a job that he's not fighting for, but you know, guys like uh, uh, that are somewhat uh, getting an opportunity. It's his audition time for them. It's a chance to show that they belong to be a part of the future with this organization, if not uh, somewhere in the league. So I think you always see maximum effort. It's very seldom you see teams quit, and I think John Fox has the respect of his players that even in a year where they're not going to make the playoffs, uh, that you're still going to see a full effort from these guys for the last three games. It's possible here, too, that I'm, I may even be looking for, and I'm not necessarily an excuse, but maybe maybe I'm looking for just a, a reason for the team to be a little more up. Um, things I know at this point at 5-8, and eight, it's kind of hard, and maybe that's you know, from a fan's perspective, it would be like that. You'd have a hard time getting up for the game, but maybe staying in that in that primetime role this week against the Vikings at home, I mean, could that provide a little extra spark for these guys? Yeah, I think, you know, they're definitely going to get up for a nationally televised game against Brett Favre and the Vikings. You know, they don't want to get embarrassed on national television, and they know, as they often say, uh, you know, it's very seldom that the rest of the league, as far as their peers, get to see them play, and by then, you know, pretty much everybody's done. Uh, they're back at home with their families, maybe tuning in for some football. So, yeah, I think they, they understand the significance of it. I mean, they'll say all the right things. that It counts one game just like they all do. But when you're playing in those primetime games, a lot of times, if not before, then after the players will say, yeah, it means a little bit more. The, the coaches can't talk that way, and a lot of the players can't. But uh, they, they certainly know that it does. And after last year, we all had visions of Lombardi trophies dancing through our heads. Coming into the year, I mean, 09 had so much promise, and things really haven't gone our way, or they haven't gone the team's way. Has it been disappointing for you? I mean, you know, were you thinking ahead to maybe booking that flight to South Beach and checking out Miami for the Super Bowl? Or, I mean, for you personally, has it been disappointing to watch this? Yeah, luckily we had that preseason game down there, so at least we did get to Miami. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't for the game we wanted to go for, uh, but at least we got down to the city. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's disappointing for everybody, you know, myself included, because um, you had high expectations based on the fact that uh, you went 12-4 and four and won the division last year. And even though you lost to Arizona, you felt like, you know, this was a team that would overcome that loss and put it back together. It was certainly the philosophy of bringing nearly everybody back from last year's team. But it's been a weird year, John. It's like it has it just, I don't know, it just started funky with the loss to Philadelphia, uh, not being close at all, not even being competitive as it turned out. And I just, I don't know, we've just kind of been in this mode all year of, um, like, we're just trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, there's a lot. Yeah, one thing I will say, uh, a lot of components of the team are working. I mean, it's hard to be too disappointed with the way the defense has been playing for the last number of weeks. A lot of takeaways. The running game is there when they use it. They don't always use it as much as you think maybe they should. And you got to believe with Jordan Gross coming back that that offensive line is going to be in good shape if they could just figure out the passing game. And, uh you know, that's going to be the thing. You know, and that, that wasn't there for week one. Uh, it was only there for maybe two weeks out of the whole season where you could look back and say that was a good day of passing uh, from the Panthers about turning it over and moving the ball down the field. So it just seems like that's been the common theme all year. They just haven't been able to get that thing right. And, and that's what's disappointing. That's what's been kind of holding the whole thing back. We've seen some disappointing seasons. 01 was disappointing. Uh, 04 was kind of crazy um, after making a Super Bowl run uh, the year before. But the way this year has gone, in some ways, it's kind of hard for a fan, and it may even be hard for the the players to just say, boy, when this is over, 
you know, I'll breathe a sigh of relief, but when it does come to an end, in some ways a merciful end, do you expect lots of changes? You know, it, this is what I've been kind of harping on, is there's, if you look to last off season, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers approach, and there's the Minnesota Vikings approach. And I, my expectation and my thought process of me personally, how I feel about it, is that it should be similar more to the Vikings approach, which is, and granted, Brent Favre's don't come down the pike every day, but when they got that quarterback position right this offseason, the whole thing took off, and now you see them sitting at 11-2, and two, and they knew that was what they needed, and that was the guy for them. In the Panthers' case, I think it's that and another speed-dominant threat receiver. I know they're two big items for the shopping cart, but uh, you know, to figure out the quarterback position, and there's got to be another threat at wide receiver besides Steve Smith to help Steve out and just to add uh, variety to the passing vertical game. Uh, those two things need to happen. Now, the Tampa Bay thing is, you know, they're sitting there nine and three last year, lose their last three games and uh, and uh, four games, I guess, and finish up nine and seven. They fire Gruden. They hire a rookie coach. Uh, they're playing a rookie quarterback, and here they are. They fired both of their coordinators this year, and they're one and twelve. So, I mean, you know, be careful what you wish for as far as just, you know, let's, you know, just burn and graze the thing down to the ground and, and want to start over because it could take a long time to build that back up. I think there's, again, getting back to what I said in the previous answer, there's enough there with the running game, the offensive line, the defense. I don't want to chuck the whole Ron Meek system by bringing in a new head coach and starting all that over again if we don't have to. So, uh, yeah, be careful about, you know, yeah, Bill Cowher can coach, no doubt. There's some big names out there who can coach, but we did that once with George Seifert. And what we found out about George Seifert is what made George Seifert special was the players he had with the San Francisco 49ers that didn't come with him. So, yeah, you got to be careful that the coach is important, but players are always what it's about. I don't care what level, college, pro, whatever. you got to have talent, and that's what you have to address first. Well, it seems like such a long time ago now, but it was only the summer of, of 2008 we all endured uh, two major retirements, uh, Mike Rucker, Mike Minner, both stepping away from the game, and, you know, that led us into last year when, you know, the team seemed to take off, but, you know, they both knew that they had some physical limitations with a little age. We've got two guys with the with the team still uh, who may or may not be with us next year, uh, Moose and Hoover. Do you think this could be the end of that, if you will, old-school Panthers era? You know, I think it's possible uh, that in both cases they could. This could be the last go-around for them. It's also possible both could come back in reduced kind of complementary roles as opposed to being featured players just because of the number of miles. Uh, as they say, the tread on the tire is pretty worn, but uh, how much more do they have to give physically? So I think either scenario is possible, but in either case, it says you have to address both of those positions. And, uh, you know, again, rookies, a lot to learn. We haven't seen enough out of Tony Fiametta to, to know if he can play or not. In fact, he was inactive this last game. But I tell you, um, Terrell Sutton has become a nice little player that obviously I don't think you can just try him out there as the all-time fullback every down because he's not built for that. But he can certainly, in tandem with somebody, man that position as he showed and give you some spark on offense, which is nice. And then at receiver, it's been the age. I think when is Dwayne Jarrett going to figure it out and take over for Moose, essentially? And it still hasn't happened. It's just three three years, and you're just waiting and waiting. So, I mean, at some point you got to say, he's, he's just not going to be that guy. He just doesn't appear to me, Dwayne Jarrett, to be a starting NFL receiver you can count on, or he'd be getting those reps right now. In fact, that would be probably something we're looking at, is it's putting him out there these last three games, and like uh, how we're evaluating Matt Moore and some other guys. Let's have Dwayne Jarrett can play or not, or 
can he only play to the ability of being the third or fourth receiver on an NFL roster? I mean, I think he's certainly capable of that, but is he capable of being a guy who can catch more than 15 passes, 20 passes in a year? And so uh, I think that's the kind of stuff we need to find out over these, past, these uh, final three games. Well, again, uh, Jim, we do appreciate you being with us. Uh, Jim Zoki, the WBT Radio Sports Director, also I'm sure most of you have heard him. I hope you have. The Carolina Panthers color commentator on all Panthers broadcasts. Jim, it's been a pleasure once again. All right, John. Thanks so much. There's more Carolina Panthers news on the way on Cat Crave Radio. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off-season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again to pick some games. Joining us is Nick Yeoman. Nick had a great week last week, 13-3. Uh, for uh, week 14 and for the season 143 and 62 nick wow yeah i don't know what it is man i am just hitting my stride with these picks and we'll see if we can keep it rolling once again well i shouldn't be quoting that because stats are for losers but that's that's true that's true they are but hey as long as i keep picking these games i'm not going to uh, i'm not complaining well let's start you off this week with Cowboys and Saints. Well, I don't think the Saints sit their starters because they still haven't wrapped up the one seed in the playoffs. I mean, they have that first round by locked up, but still not the number one seed. I think they get it done, though, Saturday night against the Cowboys. Dallas is slipping, and despite looking human at times, the Saints just keep winning. I think they pick up win number 14. Colts and Jaguars. Well, the Colts needed one heck of a comeback to beat Jacksonville the last time they played them on the road. They scored 17 fourth quarter points after being down by two scores at the half. Uh, but I see a much different game this year. I think the Colts jump out to a nice lead like they did against Denver last week, and they coast to their 14th win of the season and 23rd straight regular season win. Browns and Chiefs. Well, the Browns are coming off a surprising win over Pittsburgh, but that win was 10 days ago before this matchup uh, against the Chiefs, and it was in Cleveland instead of being on the road. I think Kansas City bounces back after their disappointing performance against Buffalo, and the Chiefs pick up the win over the Browns. Falcons and Jets. You know, I don't see either of these teams really pulling off a great run to potentially sneak into the playoffs, but I'm going to go with the team that's playing better football right now, and that's clearly the New York Jets. The Falcons have been without Michael Turner and Matt Ryan, but the Jets have just too much momentum to lose at home to Atlanta. Dolphins and Titans. Well, this really depends on which Titans team shows up. They were riding a nice winning streak until they laid an egg against the Colts, and they bounced back last week blowing out St. Louis. I don't think they blow out Miami, but I do think they pick up a close win over the Finns. Niners and Eagles. I think Philadelphia is the team that's going to emerge out of the NFC East, and it's because they can beat you in so many ways. Their defense can force a few turnovers. The offense has got that big playability, and it seems like they fixed that short yardage problems that they had earlier this year. I think the 49ers' playoff hopes end this week with Philadelphia picking up the win. 
Cardinals and Lions. You know, right when you think that Arizona could be the same type of team that they were last year and make a run to the Super Bowl, they go ahead and get blown out by the 49ers. I don't think they have any problem with Detroit this Sunday, but the Cardinals have quite a few things to clean up if indeed they want to challenge the teams like Philadelphia, Minnesota, and New Orleans in the playoffs. Bears and Ravens. After destroying an NFC North team last week, I think the Ravens get a similar outcome this Sunday. The Ravens are going to run the ball right at Chicago, who have been without Brian Urlacher all season long. The Bears are struggling. They're 24th against the run, so expect Baltimore to rack up the yards and beat Chicago to make that push for the playoffs. Texans and Rams. It's an easy pick right here. The Texans are coming off a blowout win over the Seahawks, and the Rams are coming off a blowout loss to the Titans. Therefore, I think Houston wins this game easily. They should put up, you know, 30 points at least and coast in the second half. Raiders and Broncos. The Denver Broncos just kind of hanging around. After that incredible start to the 2009 season, they, they've kind of just beat the teams that aren't very good and lost to the teams that they're going to see in the playoffs. That tells me that they won't go far when the postseason rolls around, but they'll have no problem picking up a win over Oakland. Bengals and Chargers. Cincinnati had a monster game against Minnesota last week, and it just looked like they weren't up for the challenge. They have to forget about that 30-10 loss, though, because San Diego is going to provide an equally tough challenge like Minnesota did. I just don't see that Bengals offense making as many big plays as the Chargers do, so I'm going to take San Diego with the game. Bucks and Seahawks. Well, both of these teams got just shellacked last week, but Tampa Bay is probably used to it by now, and I think they're going to be ready to take another one on the chin. I think Seattle makes enough plays, and they pick up the win over the Bucks. Packers and Steelers. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers need to figure out what's wrong and correct their mistakes now. I mean, if they want any chance of still making the playoffs, the thing is, the problem with the Steelers, in my opinion, is that nobody brings to the table what Troy Polamalu does. And considering he's going to be out again this Sunday against the Pack, i got to take the Green Bay with the pick. Giants and Redskins. This one's tricky because, like I've said before, if the real Redskins team shows up, then they can hang with just about anybody in the league. I don't think they show that this weekend, though. I know it's a rivalry game. It's at FedEx Field, so all signs point to them being ready. But I just don't think the leadership is good enough to string two wins together, so I'm going to take the Giants. Patriots and Bills. Well, New England got partial effort for Andy Moss, and they beat the Panthers, and I think the same could be said about Buffalo. The Patriots just aren't scaring any of the top teams in the AFC right now, but they'll prey on the Buffalo Bills of the world. Give me the Patriots in this game. And finally, the Vikings and the Panthers. Yeah, like I said, I just think Minnesota has got a little too much on offense, a little too much on defense. And the Panthers just, I mean, they've got an IR team out there full of backups that are going to get some playing time. I think it's going to get ugly. And I think the Vikings get the win. But we'll continue to keep track of all of your picks, Nick. Hey, thanks, John. You have searched for the best the Internet can provide. Well, as long as you're here, you may as well stay a while. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. We've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or the show. Good, bad, indifferent. We don't care. Just as long as you call us and tell us what's on your mind. Call 206-350-9673.
Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Third down, 12 seconds to go in the game. Barr back to pass, pumps to the left, eight seconds left. He gets away from the pressure, fires to the end zone. It's hot! It's Greg Lewis! It's time now to hear from the enemy. This week's enemy is coming from the north. The Minnesota Vikings are going to be invading Bank of America Stadium. Joining us now to represent the Vikings is Dan Zinski, lead writer over at thevikingage.com. Dan, thanks for being with us. Yeah, no problem. I finally have a Vikings fan on the phone, and I really have to know this. All right. For all those years, you guys had Brett Favre to hate. You just, you know, he was always at the top of your list. And suddenly Brett Favre is a Viking. How do you deal with having him as your starting quarterback? Well, for me, it's no problem. I mean, I, my attitude all along was the idea is to get the best players, and I didn't, it didn't make any difference to me that he played for the Packers. I mean, and I, you know, I live in Wisconsin as a Viking fan, so I took more misery over him than most Viking <laughs> fans. I had to be surrounded by Packer fans every day and hearing about how great he was and... Uh, you know, I was—I did not go down the Fran Tarkenton road of we can't have this guy. He's a Packer. It's just the the era we live in. Guys change teams, and I understand the baggage with him. But as far as I'm concerned, the Packers—they made up their mind. They didn't want him anymore, and so he wasn't a Packer anymore. And if we get him in here, and I was skeptical, I didn't necessarily buy right away into far as going to come here. We're going to win a Super Bowl. There were some people who were convinced from the beginning, and they were—I I got into some barring matches with them on my blog. They didn't like me for a while. There. I had to kick a few of them off, actually. That's how bad it got. But uh, personally, I had no problem with it. And it's funny how that goes away. I mean, you, you forget. It, 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 initially, it's weird. You see Farvey's in a Ford purple jersey, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. And after a few games, he's, just, hey, he's our quarterback. So, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's not been that big a deal. Some people have, have had a difficult time dealing with it, which you can tell when you, uh, when you talk to Packer fans. There's a lot of bitterness and... Uh, Real bitterness. I mean, there are people. I know people who say they hate him. I mean, they literally they just, they hate him. Packer fans who say they will never root for him again. They hate him. They don't want to see him. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of silly. It's hard to but imagine yeah. a more strained divorce than the one they had. You know, with with him there in Green Bay, and then of course not just leaving and going to New York for a season, but then winding up with Minnesota. And now look at his backfield teammate Adrian Peterson. I mean, he gets to team up with the guy that I, I suppose is widely considered as the best, you know, the best running back in the in the league. He does have that one flaw in his game, and that's fumbles. Is he working on that? Do you see that improving, or do you think it's something that could cause you big problems down the road? Well, I mean, I think once a guy gets that reputation, it's always, you know, you're always worried that it's going to be, you know, a playoff game or some huge moment, he's going to drop it. I'm, I, you know, knowing him, how he approaches it, I know he's working on it. I know he's thinking about it. He's got his father uh, calling him apparently all the time, telling him, and everyone's like, my worry is don't get on too much because then he'll start thinking about it too much. But he, it's it's cropped up a couple of times the last couple of years, and he, you know, I guess he just had to live with it with him because it's just the style he runs. And the thing is, you know, you look at guys like uh, Tiki Barber who learned it. I mean, they learned to hold on to the ball better. You can fix it. I mean, when there's something like that, you know, maybe it's something that as he goes along he just, develops he'll just he'll he'll learn to switch hands people are constantly coming up with you know this is what he has to do this is what you know just he'll be fine i'm not worried about him that much a couple of weeks ago we saw the vikings on a sunday night 
just, I mean, it was it was probably their ugliest game of the year against the Cardinals. And it's one thing to lose a game, but then you lose a pretty important player in E.J. Henderson, and that injury was about as ugly looking as anything I've seen. Well, the ugliest thing I've seen all season uh, as far as injuries go. How big is his loss to that Vikings defense? You know, the funny thing is I people have... Uh, there were some dire predictions that the, the defense would be in trouble without him. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think it hurts them a ton because they lost him last year. And in all honesty, I thought they kind of played better in the past defense without him. There's been a little bit of a, a controversy about him and Nickel. Should he be in there? Should Ben Lieber be in there? Lieber's a better pass defender. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't hurt in certain situations. The thing is he wasn't playing that great before. He was still coming off an injury from last year. So I don't know how much you really lose. He was not D.J. Anderson of before the first injury, who was a Pro Bowl guy. He was getting back to it. I I just don't think it's it's a killer thing for them. I thought not having Antoine Winfield was way worse than, than losing Anderson. And the kid they got in there, Brinkley, he made some plays. He looks pretty good to me. I think I, I'm not too... E.J.'s a nice player, but I he might be a tad overrated, to be honest with you. Tell us about, uh, quickly, how many, you know, or any other players or update us on who might be out for the the game coming up in your trip to uh, Bank of America Stadium. Well, let's see. There were any new injuries, I believe. Well, we've got so many guys banged up. Shanko has been not the same. He's got a rib injury lingering from a couple weeks ago. He'll play, but he, to be honest with you, he doesn't look the same as before. Both of our tackles, well, Lodehold apparently had a shoulder. He seems to be fine. We've had some concussions. Tyrell Johnson, the safety, who got a concussion two games ago, he should be back. He's, you know... He's a guy. It doesn't make any difference if he's in there. That's about it. There, it's We've had, you know, Chester Taylor. we got like, a lot of guys banged up. I don't think anybody's going to miss the game. Well, if you guys could, if you could just, um, if you could leave that one wide receiver at home, we'd appreciate it. We don't want him touching the ball on kickoffs and punt returns because uh, Harvin kind of scares me a little bit. And with him in mind, with number four coming in and your trip to Bank of America Stadium, or as I call it, Busted Bank Stadium, your prediction for the Vikings and the Panthers? Well, my prediction is that uh, we got it back last week. We figured out that we're a running team. All of Favre, you know, throwing the ball around, it's fun. Everyone loves it, but it's not this team's identity. We're going to run it. You know, I fully expect that we should be able to handle Carolina. I mean, I don't see much from them. I don't, they, they've got some guys. I mean, Steve Smith is always a, uh, a guy you got to think about. They can run it a little bit. But I just think that we're we're getting back to the way we play, and I think the Vikings will will win the game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be close. Uh, we're going to, uh, you know, twenty-one, seventeen, something in that area. Um, we'll probably score a little more than that. We've got a pretty good offense. I got to get used to picking a little higher number for the offense because uh, in past years, it's you know, the, if we get twenty-one, that was a huge game, and now it's, we're scoring thirty a game. So I, I think we will handle Carolina. I think we'll I think we'll take care of that. Well, you have every reason to be confident, and we have every reason n- not to be. <laughs> but again, Dan, we really appreciate you being with us. Uh, Dan Zinsky, uh, lead writer over at thevikingage.com. Dan, thanks again. Hey, no problem. Anytime. I'm not sure there's a lot left to be said, really. What else can be said? Let's just make a prediction and move on. Minnesota 28, Carolina 7. I'd like to thank Jim Zoki for joining us. Jim can be heard on WBT Radio every weekday and as the color commentator on all Panthers radio broadcasts. 
And our thanks to Dan Zinsky for being with us for the Enemy segment. Dan can be found on the web at thevikingage.com. And for his many contributions and for his awesomeness, our thanks to Nick Yeoman. Nick can be seen in his videos on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Don't forget to look us up on Twitter. We are located at twitter.com slash catcraveradio. Subscribe to our show on iTunes and be sure to leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget the Cat Crave Radio Hotline. You can call us 24 hours a day at 206-350-9673. Leave a message. We will use it on the show. Again, that's 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old name. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football.